The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Gayla McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister and Executive Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. Uh, I'm in the midst of teaching a series that I'm really enjoying, and I've gotten some great feedback from this series titled The Five Choices, The Path to Extraordinary Productivity. Actually, on the show, it's called something else, five choices, something, something, new thought. But it's based upon the book, The Five Choices, The Path to Extraordinary Productivity by Corey Cogan, Adam Merrill, and Lena Reen. And this book is basically about uh, uh, attention, decision, and energy management, and how to master our decision making, our attention, and our energy so we can live more productive lives. And that's important because it's easy to get distracted these days. And if you're not careful, you can go days utilizing energy, but not necessarily accomplishing much. You know, people are being, uh, are getting burnt out. And that's necessarily from excessive uh, labor. You know, I'm not saying they're not jobs that require a lot of labor, picking up, lifting, whatever, but people are mentally exhausted from all of the mental energy that is required to do their jobs, which we talked about in the first episode. So I'm not going to go over that again, but it's important that we manage our attention and we manage our decision-making that we manage how we utilize our energy because it does make a difference. So today we're going to talk about choice four, which is rule your technology. Don't let it rule you rule your technology. Don't let it rule you. And just to be honest, this is something that I'm working on myself because of the, you know, things on your phone, people always reaching out to you, emails, texts, you know, you you get caught on Facebook, uh, your friends sending you things to messenger, uh, people trying to find you. There's so many notifications, beings and things of that nature that it can be challenging at times. You know, I've gotten to the point to where I don't have any notifications that come to my phone for Facebook. I don't have any notifications for my phone for Instagram. 
Um, I'm about to remove notifications from Twitter. Matter of fact, um, many days I go without even having a notifications for Messenger. But I have friends of mine that reach out to me. But I'm seriously considering removing my Facebook Messenger notifications. So in other words, I look at my phone, I don't automatically see a notification. I don't get a bang. I don't get a vibration if my phone is on silent uh, or something that comes to my home screen because it's also tempting. It's also tempting. And with text messages, I've had to learn how to just when, you know, you know, it's, it's not have to be on automatic when it comes to responding to text messages. And when you start dealing with phone calls, uh, especially considering that, you know, I have a particularly t- a type of job that requires my attention. Like, for instance, somebody call me now. Uh, I can't take that call. So w- what I've just started to do is just put my phone on do not disturb when I have to do these podcasts or when I go into meetings or I'm on Zoom meetings, which is, is a lot these days. I'm sure a lot of people are dealing with Zoom fatigue. I was actually watching something on the news about it. Uh, not watching, listening to uh, news radio in my car about Zoom fatigue and how one company is actually giving their employees Zoom-free Fridays. I thought that was absolutely fantastic because, you know, so many people are working from home or from different areas. And even your home now has to be, for many people, a work environment. Where do I do the Zoom? Do I do one of those backgrounds that look, you know, that, you know, virtual backgrounds that sometimes looks good and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, so for many people, there's no hard shift with technology, especially because of the pandemic where, you know, okay, when I, when I come home, you know, I'm just done. I remember, you know, you know, a day I'm old enough to remember when, Everybody didn't even have a personal computer, and I didn't have a personal computer. So when you left work, unless it was some massive emergency, you didn't get a call until the next day. So, uh, you know, the early days of email, you know, with the AOL, you know, and that sound that it would make when you would would dial in to AOL through the phone line, you know, <laughs> those days are, are far, far away. And we are now living in a new paradigm of downloads, high-speed internet, text messages, notifications, apps, tablets, laptops, everything you can imagine that will pull on your attention. But I think the major culprit these days is the cell phone. And you have to be really careful because you can do everything on it now. You can watch your movies, your Netflix, your Amazon Prime, your Hulu, your cable shows, all of those things can happen on your phone. The YouTube, again, I mentioned all the different social media apps that are happening right now and the addiction of just scrolling. You can go on to check one notification and next thing you know, you're scrolling on Facebook for 30 minutes and it's addictive to your brain and you might not realize it. So we're going to talk about that today, how you can take back the power of your own life from a tool that's supposed to be helping your life. So let's deal with it. Uh, Page 114, and again, I'm teaching right out of the book, and I'm not going to teach every point, so that's why I'm recommending that people actually purchase this book because it does make a difference. 
the the authors wrote in choice one the act of important don't react to the urgent we talked about the process of becoming addicted to urgency the truth is that technology can amp up the addictive power of urgency tenfold and they even you know you know reference drug use how it can you know you know you got to have it now you got to deal with it now they move on and say our current technologies can provide such immediate responsiveness to our actions that we can be caught up in responding to texts and tweets, thinking we are being productive when, in fact, we are only being distracted. Of greater concern, we may be missing the really important things like building strong relationships, collaborating on important problems, or doing some thoughtful or focused work. And then they tell a story about a, a family at a ballet and it was a family of of four people in a row, and three of them were on their devices. Only the mother was watching the show. And when they lowered the lights for the performance, they lowered the screens on their phones. So they were there to support, physically there to support their loved one, their family member. But they weren't there. They were detached. And they had to be told to turn down the screens of their phones. You know, uh, you know, I will must admit a pet peeve of mine is when I used to go to the movie theaters pre-pandemic, and I'm sure this is going to be happening more and more post-pandemic, was people who were on their phones in the movie theater because it is so distracting because it's dark. But people don't have consideration many times for other people. They just want what they want. They want the addiction of responding to checking their emails, checking their social media, checking their text messages, checking whatever is going on in their apps, playing their games, regardless of where they are. Matter of fact, uh, one of the things that also was a pet peeve of mine is people walking around with their phones on speaker. So everybody has to hear your conversation now. It's ridiculous. And it just shows you how much the addiction to the phone can disrupt your process, your mental process to where you're not even being considerate of other people. So on page 115, they quote Dr. Ed Hollowell, who wrote, we've created a new addiction. It's the addiction to technology. And so you find people literally compulsively reaching for their email like it was a package of cigarettes. And I would say checking their emails or grabbing their phones like it's a package of cigarettes. Uh, I think that's a great analogy because I can remember uh, when I was a kid, you know, you know, my dad was quite the chain smoker. And what I saw one of those commercials as a child where it said, you know, you know, this is what cigarettes do to you and your lungs and whatever. And I thought that my dad was going to die immediately from smoking cigarettes. Obviously, it's more of a long term effect. And thank God he's still here. Uh, so I would hide his cigarettes and he would he he would he would be enraged because he knew I hid them. And every time he would say something to me, I would say, but I don't want you to die because and and just having him flustered walking around. And when he couldn't find him, he would just go to the store and buy some new cigarettes. Uh, what's interesting out of that process is I know how. A person who really needs to have that hit uh, will go beyond normal means to make sure they get it. And that's how many people are with their technology, with their cell phones. 
matter of fact, uh, talking about another thing that I've, that I've done, I don't get email alerts on my phone anymore because I have four email addresses on my phone and there's no way, no how, no. So I make, I make a habit of checking my work email, most importantly, and I'll check the other stuff later, but I, but, but you can't, my phone will be beeping all the time, just on emails. All right. All right. So then it, it, on the bottom of page 115, it is written, sometimes we hear young people are the ones glued to their technology. Well, yes, they grew up with technology in their hands, but let's look at the role, our role as adults. Research shows young children often feel lonely and depressed because they are competing with smartphones and tablets for their parents' love. So when you are in so into your phone, you might not be into the individual. Have you ever gone out to a dinner and you look around and everybody's on their cell phones? It could be multiple people at a table and nobody's talking or a couple's at the table and they're not talking. I'm not talking about just to check a text or email really fast. I'm talking about checked out because they're more concerned about what's happening with with Junebug on Facebook or Lucy on Twitter or Jenny on Snapchat or Bob on Instagram than the person that they took time to stop and have a meal with in person. So obviously that person is important to them. But that's how we detach and we have to be careful that we can be around people, including our children, and not necessarily be with them. It's one of the things that um, I noticed early that I wanted to do um, when I was a, a parent of a young child. My daughter is now 21. But when she was younger, instead of just having her around me, I would stop and be with her. Okay, so if that meant get on the floor and play with her toys with her, then if that's what she was doing, that's what I was doing. If that meant, okay, dad, watch this TV show with me. And trust me when I tell you, I've probably seen every episode of those Disney and Nickelodeon and, you know, type shows, the, the, that's so Ravens and the sweet life and Zach and Cody's and whatever else cartoons and other things she used to watch. I've seen probably every episode of all of them because that was a process of being present. So what mattered to her was mattering to me at the time. You know, you know, one of the things that's funny to this day, you know, that she's an adult and she wants me to watch something like I can't do nothing. Dad, why you have your phone? Dad, what are you doing? You're supposed to be watching this with me. So she holds me accountable to being present to, with her because that's what she's used to. Even now, you know, so that's funny to me. But anyway. They talk about a story about a family who was realizing that they were detached by their phone. So they started to put their phones in a basket when they left and they discovered that their young child put her iPad in the same basket by the door so they can make sure they're spending time with each other. Now, I realize that everybody doesn't have that luxury. It depends on the situation and the type of job you have, the type of circumstances you have. Um, including loved ones that you need to be in contact with outside of your home. So I'm not telling everybody that you have the luxury of just putting your phone down and not checking anything after you come home from work until the next morning. If you can, fantastic. But I'm not saying everybody has that luxury. I'm saying figure out a balance. Figure out a balance. That 
way you don't have to be addicted to it. Addicted to it. All right. Page 117. So we're going to look at the context of technology within the context. Let me rephrase that. We're going to look at technology within the context of the four quadrants that are taught by Franklin Covey that's taught in this book. And remember how that was structured, Oops, excuse me, how that was structured when we start talking about what works and what doesn't work far as the quadrants are concerned. Quadrant one is necessity. That's urgent and important. All right. That's emergencies, crises, last minute deadlines, pressing problems, unforeseen events. Quadrant two is extraordinary productivity. That's where we want to live. That's productive work, high impact goals, creative thinking, planning, prevention, relationship building, learning and renewal. Quadrant three is distraction. That's, uh, and let me go back. Quadrant two is important, but not urgent. Quadrant three is, is um, urgent, but not important. Needless interruptions, unnecessary reports, irrelevant meetings, other people's minor issues, unimportant emails, tasks, phone calls, status posts, etc. And then quadra four is waste, which is not important, not urgent, trivial work, avoidance activities, excessive relaxation, television, gaming, internet. Not that those things are bad. He's talking about excessive relaxation, television, game, gaming, and internet, time wasters, and gossip. So let's go right back now and look at technology within the context of these quadrants. So they wrote, at work and at home, are you using your technology in a Q3 or Q4 kind of way? Are you lured by the urgency of dings and pings, but responding to things that are ultimately unimportant? Are you lured by the excess of a particular game that is neither urgent nor important, but somehow takes hours of your time, attention, and energy that obviously would be better used elsewhere? It's a great question. What's pulling your attention in a way that's not productive? Again, not as a quick little mental break, because we all need mental breaks. But when it becomes excessive, it's a problem. And when you're at work, it's a real problem, because that means you're not being productive. You're not giving an honest day's work for an honest day's pay, because you're distracted with all of the things that are happening outside of what you should be doing right now. All right. Or when you should be doing it. All right. So on page 118, they talk about a thing called swordlessness and the first principle. And it's basically, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure some, one of these writers is a martial artist because they reference martial art masters and styles too often in this book, which means they're right up my alley, my type of people. All right. So, uh, without getting caught up with everything else, is talking about learning the principles so you can always um, uh, be independent in every possible way. So they they quote a ancient Japanese sword master, uh, and I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, uh, called the first principle, which is to be independent in every possible and keep the, your your presence of mind in all circumstances. The notion is that when we get stuck on a particular tool, we create attachment in our mind and that keeps us from moving fluidly and responding appropriately to different circumstances that arise. So in other words, sometimes you have to know uh, 
when when you understand the principle of a thing, it doesn't make a difference what the tool is. This is why, one of the reasons why I often tell people when, when I'm teaching metaphysics, for instance, new thought metaphysics, when you understand the principles behind understanding who you are in God and who God is in you, then you can apply it to healing, to prosperity, to uh, business ventures, to uh, leading in, leading your family, to having fantastic relationships with others. When you understand the principle, when you understand what you're doing and why and how it works, it's the same thing, no different than a sword, where a person can pick up a sword or they can pick up a broom or they can pick up a mop or they can pick up, you know, a, 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 a tree limb and still be able to execute certain techniques because they understand the principle of movement. That's the difference. It's it's understanding that it doesn't make a difference what the tool is. So, uh, for instance, in, in, in many Kung Fu styles, the first thing you learn, weapon you learn, is a short pole. And once you learn the short pole, then you can graduate either to a longer pole, like a six-foot pole, five-foot or six-foot pole, and sometimes even a longer one. And then you go to the swords and different type of swords and daggers and different type of weapons. But they all are based on, can you understand how to make this this short pole that might be, you know, four feet, an extension of your body and mind? Well, it's the same thing with your technology. Your technology should be an extension of your mind it shouldn't be an addiction that stops you from being productive. All right. So let's deal with it on page 119. It says, preparing for your battle. Where's your stuff? They wrote, if you're like most people, gravel comes at you all day from all directions. And we covered the gravel concept a couple of weeks ago. Your smartphone takes messages, texts, and tweets. Your email accounts fill up like a clogged sink. You can take the phone call and write messages on any pieces of paper that's handy. You got to be careful that you all this information is coming at you. you how do you make a, the decision that uh, and how do you handle all of this information that's coming your way? That's what this book is for. And we've covered some of those principles already. So now we're going to go to what they call the core four. The core four is basically there are four kinds of information you need to manage. Two of them you can act on. The other two are information that you file away for future reference. So it's the four core appointments, things you need to do at specific times, tasks, things you need to do that are not yet scheduled, contacts, information about people you interact with, notes slash documents, other information you want to keep track of that do not fall into one of those other three categories. I'm, again, it's appointments, tasks, contacts, notes slash documents. We call these categories the four core four. The first task to bring order to chaos is to learn to see incoming information in terms of these four categories. The next step is to create a system to manage your important information so you know exactly where and how to access it anywhere, anytime. How you will do that will depend on the system you will use. But as a guideline, we recommend the rule of one, which we're going to get into on the second half of the show. 
This means having one master task list, one calendar, one contact list, one system for all your notes and documents. This can be personalized as long as you stay true to the principles managing the core four. You can design your system to be all paper, all digital, or a combination of four, of, of both. So what that means is you can, everything needs to be digital where you can pull up your stuff on, from your phone, your tablet, your computer, or it can be all paper. Some people still keep their everything in an old Franklin Covey type planner where they write all their appointments in, they write all their notes, they walk around with a briefcase with all their paperwork. Some people still do that. Or you can do a combination of both where you have your calendar, um, you know, and other things digitally, but you also have some things you keep in a notebook. For instance, I do almost everything digitally when it comes to my calendar. Obviously, uh, my emails and all that type of stuff has to be whatever, but I can access my emails from my phone, from my tablet, from my laptop, and from my personal computer, computer at work. That's just not my personal computer, my work computer. And for meetings, though, I always have a notebook that I write my uh, notes in every meeting, who, what the meeting is, who's in the meeting, the date of the meeting, and then who's speaking. I write their names down and I write down every point that they make or and and then I write down all my points normally in advance. Therefore, I can be clear what it is that I'm seeking to achieve in this meeting. And then I make sure in that notebook, I, I'm clear about who's doing what, including myself, who's been tasked, whether I've given the task or someone else has given the task. I want to make sure that I'm not just in a meeting. I always have a notebook when I meet with people. It's just one of the things I do. I take notes when I coach people. I take I have an outline again, coaching person's name, the date, uh, things they said. I write down things I want to cover. I write down anything that's new that comes up. I write down uh, when we're going to meet again. I do all of that type of stuff. Anything I need to transfer over to the my uh, digital things, you know, calendar, uh, notes, reminders in my phone, whatever. I do that after that. But I learned that that system works better for me because I like to go back and look and scroll. Now, could I do that digitally? Yes. Um, But I'm just talking about a system that works for me. You have to figure out what works for you. Now, what I've discovered is when I want to just put my thoughts down, I put notes in my iPhone. There's a section called notes. I have sermons. I have thought processes. I have all different type of things that I could go back later and I put it in the notes based upon the area, personal versus work. So I'm very clear about where it lives and I need to be better with that because I've been slipping lately. And that's something that allows me to be more functional. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to cover some details about how you can be more efficient with your technology. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Before I get back to teaching the book, The Five Choices, let me give my quick commercial. So remember that you can tune in, you can check in to Christ Universal Temple on Sundays, 1030 a.m. until noon Central Time for our live stream service. Right now, again, since we're still in the midst of the pandemic, we're not having service in person, but you can check out our live live stream service. So make sure you do that at our website, www.cutemple.org, our Facebook page, which is Christ Universal Temple, or our YouTube page, which is CU Temple, CU and the word temple together. You can also make sure that you are checking out our uh, noonday Facebook uh, uh, live lessons based upon the daily inspiration for better living periodical. So Monday through Friday, I, along with two other of our distinguished uh, teachers, are teaching lessons to help you live a better life. So make sure you tune in. If you can't catch it live, just watch it later. It's you know We've been doing them since last year in March. So you can almost tune in and hear almost any type of lesson you want to hear on prayer, love, prosperity, uh, Bible, metaphysical Bible interpretation, et cetera, et cetera. Make sure you tune in. Remember that Reverend Wells has a, uh, a Facebook live show titled Temple Talks on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central Time. So make sure you tune into that as well. And all you have to do is put in Rev Derek Wells and this should pop up, I believe. And uh, I have some a couple of special things happening this weekend. First of all, on Saturday, uh, the Universal Truth Ministries is, uh, is um, having a seminar that I'm a part of. And it's with Dr. Rocco Erico, who is without a doubt the top Aramaic Bible scholar in the world. Matter of fact, another Aramaic Bible scholar that I'm Facebook friends with said, uh, wrote to me that Dr. Erico is the North Star of their movement of of Aramaic biblical scholarship. So uh, you definitely want to be a part of that. You can go to my Facebook page and get the information in the link. Uh, go to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell and get the information, or you can go to Eventbrite. I believe it's called How to Live an Authentic Life, but I don't have the information in front of me right now. You can get the Facebook page. Go to my Facebook page and get that information. It's also on the Christ Universal Temple Facebook page as well. So you can get the link Eventbrite page and make sure that you're doing what you need to do. It's Saturday, I believe it's is it 10 a.m.? I think it's 10 a.m. Central Time. And I'm going to teach how to live victoriously. And this lesson is going to be fabulous because what I did was I actually took life lessons from Abraham and showed how when you use the metaphysical Bible interpretation method, he teaches you how to live victoriously and walk in your blessings. Uh, Dr. Rocco Erico is going to teach the, the Aramaic uh, interpretation and metaphysical interpretation of the gospel of John. So you don't want to miss it. It's going to be moderated by the Christ Universal Temple uh, chief operating officer, uh, Gavin Jackson, who was, was a guest on this show last month. So you can um, tune in. It's only $35. Uh, 
we want you to be a part of it. Also, this Sunday, I'll be preaching the lesson for Christ Universal Temple for Palm Sunday. I'm teaching a lesson called Resetting Your Spiritual Goals. So if you have some spiritual goals that you've been struggling with or you feel as though that you're not growing as rapidly spiritually as you want to, make sure that you tune in because I have something for you. The Father has put something on my heart. And I know that this lesson is going to be powerful. It's going to be hardcore metaphysics because that's what I do. All right, let's get back to the book. So first they talk about the paper-based system, which we talked about already. And they start talking about the advantages and disadvantages. The advantages for some people, it still works. They put everything in, in one planner and they keep it moving. The disadvantage is it's not connected to anything. If you don't have it with you, you can't do anything with it. You can't email information. You can't email files. You can't, it's, it's difficult to navigate because you got to have everything in that calendar. You have to have everything um, right there for you. So if, but if you're going to use a paper-based system, make sure that it falls under the cardinal rule, everything in one place. So if you're going to use it, do it that way. With the digital system, you have to make sure that you can access everything across all devices, no matter where you are. Now, uh, there's one caveat that they don't talk about in this book, which is the ability to hold certain levels of data unless you have a cloud. Now, I realize everybody is not as consistent with understanding how to make the clouds work. I think some of this might require a little bit of teaching um, because if you're going to be if you want to access stuff from a cloud, whether it's from your phone, your computer, or your tablet, you got to really be clear about what you're doing so you're not sharing information that you shouldn't be sharing. They do mention in this book, however, that if there are certain things that go along with work that can't be done from your personal devices that are connected to your work server. Like, for instance, I know that there are certain things that I can't pull from the church's server. I already know that because it's not a part of something that we can put in a cloud um, that's accessible to everybody. Even if it's a cloud, it's a cloud, backup cloud, not for the employees. It's, you know, it's to protect our data. So you have to be able to find some, some wiggle room with that. But anyway, but let's just deal with the basic information. Bottom of page 122. The advantage of this approach is that you can have your key information accessible, regardless of which device it happen, you, you happen to have with you at the time. The disadvantage of this kind of system that is easy to get buried under the gravity, gravel of digital incoming. In other words, there's so much stuff coming that you're not paying attention to the details of it. All right. So what they're recommending is find apps, find, find applications that allow you to share uh, whatever you need to share, calendar, files, emails, whatever, reminders, all together. Now, a good, decent smartphone these days can do all of that. You don't even need a computer to do it. But the point is, if it's on your phone, it's on your computer. If it's on your computer, it's on your laptop. That way you can work um, completely without having to stop because everything is on everything. That's the point. All right. So, um they give a lot of good core information about how to do this for work and personal life. For instance, on page 125, they say that um, if you have access, if you have access to your corporate system 24 hours a day, but are worried about committing work and uh, 
commingling work and personal information. Here are some options. Number one, some systems allow you to mark personal data uh, private so that nobody but you can see the details on a shared calendar. That way you can still schedule time to visit the doctor or clean the garage and everyone else will simply see that time zone is private. Two, if you're uncomfortable doing that, you might decide to have two very distinct set of core fours, one personal and one work. Uh, I agree with this wholeheartedly, especially when it comes to emails and things of that nature. Separate your work emails from your personal email. It's, it's a process that takes some time because because I noticed that I was doing that unintentionally. I didn't want to miss something, and I knew I checked my work emails way more than I checked my personal emails. So I would just have stuff going to my personal email address, and I mean to my work email address. And, I, and I'm in a process now of shifting that out after reading and studying to prepare to teach this book because it does make a difference. Another thing that I'm actually doing is all these little different subscriptions that I have, uh, I've just been deleting them. Just deleting them. Okay, whatever company I bought something, oh, we need your email address. We'd like to send you this. Oh, we'd like to send you that. Or you see something and you were interested at one time and now you're not and you're still getting the emails, delete them. Delete them and if and have... Uh, I, you know, I really believe in having different lanes for um, your your rule of four when it comes to personal and one for work. The main thing is the two systems can't commingle. Stick to the approach that you have. All right. Okay. Now they're going to give a lot of good de details about a lot of different stuff. So let me um, um go to a few things that um. Because believe it or not, this chapter is so large that I wouldn't be able to cover all of the stuff that I want to be able to do. So with the blended approach, it still deals with appointments, tasks, contacts, notes, slash documents. How are you dealing with those things? So they give some examples of employees and how they can separate certain things. Like, for instance, a person had on their digital, they put an appointments, task, and contacts in their mobile phone which was also on their laptop, laptop or desktop. But they still wrote on paper their, their personal notes, but had large documents, obviously, on their laptop or desktop. That does make a difference. The other thing is when you start planning and putting it into the Q2 process, they call it the Q2 process map. And basically, it's incoming information happens. And then you're at a moment of choice. What are you going to do with it? You're going to pause. Remember, pause, clarify, decide. I taught that a few weeks ago. Does it go to the trash or do I need to do something with it? And then I can do two things with it. I can act on it, which is uh, appointment or task. <clears throat> or I can file it, contact, notes, slash documents. And then I can integrate it into my daily Q, my, what I need to act on into my daily Q2 planning. So at the beginning of the week, you have your Q2 roles and goals. I already covered that. What are the things that are most important to you? Those things have to be accomplished, whether that's work or personal life. Then that feeds into your weekly Q2 planning session at the beginning of the week. Remember, you sit down and you plan. These are the most important things I need to accomplish for the week. And then that informs your daily Q2 planning, which now is also being informed 
by what you need to act on, appointments and tasks. I know you don't see the visual, so I'm trying to make this as simple as possible. All right. Okay. So they wrote it this way. Um, well, I think I explained that pretty well, uh, but I'm going to read it anyway. He um, says, um, the vertical column and incoming flow come together in the moment of choice where the battle for our finest attention and energy actually happens. That's where we pause, clarify, and decide to discern what among all the incoming emails, texts, phone calls, people, and assignments uh, really matters so that we can defend our Q2 priorities against things that are less important. In other words, you have to decide and have a system set up to make sure that the things that matter the most are happening first and primarily and eventually only. All right. Then it wrote, if an incoming item is not important, that means it's a Q3 or Q4, and then follows the lower arrow that points to the trash bin. Since we don't want to spend our valuable time, attention, and energy on this kind of thing, we dismiss it. If an incoming item is important, then it is Q1 or Q2 and can be handled with the system you have set up to manage your core four. All right. And again, some of this stuff, they have pictures and without the pictures, it makes it a little bit difficult. But I hope you are getting what I'm saying. All right. But this is the main thing. Because we have a system to manage our core four and we are clear about where our stuff is, we can access it when necessary and it will be automatically available for our weekly and daily Q2 planning. This ensures that when we are in a reflective thinking Q2 planning mode, we are we have our most important information organized in a way that will help us get the big rocks into our schedules. I already talked to big rocks. I already talked to Q2 planning mode. You have to go back and listen to some of the previous shows to make sure that you get that. All right. Now. Then they talk about the three master moves. The three master moves are win without fighting, turn it into what it is, and link to locate. All right, the master move comes from a martial arts style called American Kempo, which was created by um, uh, Ed Parker, uh, Grandmaster Ed Parker, who's actually a friend of Bruce Lee, a very good friend of Bruce Lee. And it's it's talking about when you understand the principle of a thing, you can... Uh, when you understand the concept or the fundamental move, you can use it in multiple situations without, with little uh, adaption. In other words, it's a core fundamental move that you have to work with. So it looks like I have a caller. So let me take this caller. Hello? Is Dot? Hey there. How oh, you yes, doing? This is Dot. Good afternoon. How are you? Well, good morning. I'm, at- I'm sorry. Good morning. <laughs> yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I wanted to go back and make a comment regarding using your personal devices for work. Yeah. That a person needs to be very careful about that because if anything ever comes up at their workplace, they can confiscate your personal device. And mm-hmm. if you have some real personal items on there, all of that's going to be exposed. Yes, that's right, Everything. and that's why so it's I wanted important to add to make, that on there. Right, and that's why you have to differentiate. Uh, right. And the thing about it is, you know, you see those movies now, and I think it's I think it's one of the things that's challenging. Obviously, like I have my personal work email on my phone; it's, it's almost unavoidable at this point. Uh, you know, with the type of work I do, at least. So, right. 
you know, so I think you, you have to find some middle ground. But I, well, I'll say this right off the bat, um, and this isn't in the book. You have to be really careful. Anything that you shouldn't be emailing, communicating anything digitally that you don't want repeated or, or in a court of law. Oh, boy, yes, yes, <laughs> so, yes, so, more, so, yes, that's very important. Yeah, very but, important. Because if people yeah. understand that. I had a situation can. like that. Um, I'm a retired principal, and I had a situation where I had a staff member, their personal computer, was, uh, she was, they were using it for work, and it was confiscated in, in court. Yeah. And, uh, yes. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah. important to recognize that difference, especially um, in the midst of legality. So I think that knowing what type of job you have does make a difference. And, you know, um, you know, I, 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 but I also think that this is one of the challenges that's going up, going on now with work in general. Uh, you know, people expect uh, the work to be done, files to be kept on computers and things of that nature for work on devices they haven't even bought. You know, uh, there used to be a time when companies purchased computers for people if they needed to work from home and things of that nature, laptops and things of that nature, you don't see that these days that often. Uh, and I think that's a travesty because, you know, you know, just something as simple as uh, if a person has to have, like with the pandemic going on that right now, you know, I know people who've had to pay for extra internet uh, uh, with because they have children on, learning online, they got the yeah. spouse working online, they're on Zoom meetings and things of that nature, and this is what is necessary to, to be able to do what needs to be done. So it's a lot of factors to go into that, but thanks for sharing yeah. that. I appreciate okay. that, that point. Okay, thank you, Rev, and I'll hear you this afternoon All right. on Noonday. Like <laughs> yes. Okay, right. bye-bye. All right, God bless. All right, so we're going to deal with the master moves real fast. The first one is master move is win without fighting. All right. So here's the key paradigm shift around your email. Your email is not just a m bunch of messages. It's really uh, a decision. Every email is a decision. What are you going to do with them? All right. So win without fighting is based upon the principle of automation. The goal is to confidently automate as many of these decisions as possible so that our brains don't have to use up energy on mundane, useless, or unnecessary emails. All right. So how can you do that? You set up rules and or filters in your emails that uh, put your emails where you want them to go even when they come in, all right? And they give some very specific keys, like delete junk mail that has made it through your spam filter. Uh, you can set that up automatically. Delete irrelevant emails that don't pertain to you. Prioritize CC lists and reply all functions. Highlight emails from critical people like your boss, spouse, key team members, and so on. Move key reference documents, trade journals, and the like to the fold their folders for later review. Move non-time-sensitive emails for certain groups of users, like people you don't know, to a custom folder for later review. Forward specific emails like reports to others. Auto-reply to specific senders to let them know you are out or set expectations about when you will respond. I, let me just stop here for a moment. This is a really important thing when it comes to emails. If you're on vacation, if you're out, if you for any time period, people have a reasonable expectation uh, especially within a work environment, that you're going to turn the email around. And if you can't, you should have some type of autoresponder that says, hey, I'm out for the, you know, whatever. 
I'll get back to you on next week on Tuesday, blah, 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 something that just, that just happens automatically. And you can even set that up to where, um, and I don't know how to do it yet, but I'm, yeah, but I'm going to find out to how that doesn't just automatically go to everybody's automatic email. Then you end up getting automatic emails and it just ends up being back and forth, back and forth of automatic replies because some emails that come to you don't have a reply option other than to give an automatic reply when you reply to it. But uh, make sure you let people know when you're not available. That makes a difference. All right. Okay. So let's deal with um, these messages, emails in particular for a moment. I don't have a lot of time left. This time has went past. It says 30 of 30% of them are vital and need your focused attention right away. 40 of them, talking about 40% are important. If you had 100 emails, 40% are important but do not require immediate action. 30 of them are a waste of time and shouldn't be there at all. All right? All right, so there's a few things that they cover in the book that I'm not going to cover, but one of the things I will say is you need to block out Q2 time every day or every work day just for just for your uh, checking your emails. Instead of having to check them all through the day, you need just that time just for checking your emails and then putting, and I would say putting the structure together to make sure that they're, they have some level of order. All right. Okay. Uh, and it, and it, you can take 30 minutes to set up your email the way you want it to happen, and it can save you a lot of time on the back end. All right. There's some other things in this section, but you um, that. But one of the things about this uh, this particular win without fighting, you can set up on your phone separate ringtones for certain people. So when you hear those rings, you know that's more important. Or that being, you know, it's that person's text, like a spouse or your child, your you know, mother or or your boss, to where you know when this comes in, I need to pay more attention to it versus oh, this is just a regular ring for everybody that I can get to or not get to later. Because every phone call does not have to be answered. Let me repeat that. Every phone call doesn't have to be answered. And one of the things that I'm noticing now that's really different is People will video call, FaceTime, or some other option. People, uh, without even calling first, it was just FaceTime. People, I noticed, I've been noticing that a lot of that lately. Which one is, in my opinion, rude. If you don't know the the state of dress or whatever, you're just calling somebody and expecting them to be visual. Two. Um, people around you, if you don't have headphones on, that means everybody got to hear your conversation. Yet again, all right. Also, make sure if you have like assistance or anything of that nature or people who work with you, delegate the task. Make sure that you're not just getting notifications about everything. The second master move is turn it into what it is. All right. So what that looks like is making sure that um, you go through your technology, your emails and things of that nature. And um you, again, turn it into an appointment, a task, a contact, or a note slash document. And it goes into greater detail on that. Um, running out of time, so I, I can't get into some of the optimization of that. Um, uh, you know, but let's just be mindful. So, like for instance, you get a text saying, hey, pick up some milk or bread from the store. You should automatically put that as a reminder on your phone or in your calendar. 
to make sure that you don't forget. That's maximizing. Put it on your master task list that you, you have to figure out how to maximize that. And then link to locate is how you actually find ways to um, connect your information in a way that makes sense. Um, so, But I want to cover a few things before we stop. He calls it, they call it inbox detox. How do you deal with the senseless emails? It, like many people, many people have so many emails, like thousands. I remember uh, I was... Uh, working with someone, um, trying to get uh, them on my podcast. And uh, they was like, oh, let me just put my email address in there. And he saw my email. He's like, how many emails you have? And it was embarrassing because I just had all these emails and spams and stuff I've signed up for. And it didn't and it didn't make sense. I mean, and, you know, he's like, I need to, you're out of order. I can't work with that. And uh, so it was it was it was it was embarrassing. And I, I addressed it like immediately. Uh, but so what they say is create a subfolder in your inbox called detox. Step two, take everything from your inbox except the recent 200 messages and move it to your detox folder. Now you only have 200 messages in your inbox. Step three, review the 200 remaining items and either delete them, create a specific rule to handle them in the future, turn them into appointments, task contacts, or notes so you can work on them later, then delete them, or Respond to them immediately if you can do it in a minute or less. This process will work. And then you can have time to go back and put some Q2 time on the emails, clearing all that other nonsense out. And they start talking about an email manifesto, about how you will handle emails, including with your time. On page 153, I highly recommend you read that. And I would also recommend that you set up something like that for text and social media. All right. So... I've run out of time. So next week, we're going to cover the chapter on energy management, which is fuel your fire. Don't burn out. So let's make sure that you are using your technology in a way that helps you manage those notifications so you can do what you need to do to live a better life. God bless you. I'll be with you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.